All right, good morning, everyone. Today is Monday, March 15th, 2021, and we have a fair amount of news to report to you guys today, so um, let's just jump right into it. So first off, we're going to be covering things from all over the world, by the way. First off, Ian Maxwell, Ghislaine Maxwell's sister, uh, said that her sister Ghislaine is, and I quote, not a monster. And nobody believes her, so let's move on. Uh, next thing is that uh, Bolivia leader, um, uh, ex-leader, sorry, ex-interim leader um, was arrested after opposition crackdown, and she's being accused of being part of a coup. Now, her and her lawyers and all that claim that this is just, you know, it's unjust and it's a hit job and all that. I don't know specifically the politics of Bolivia. I don't know what goes on there, so I don't want to comment on that. Again, this is big enough of a story that would be needed to report to you guys. But at the same time, I mean, look, if she did something wrong, literally, then I guess what she's receiving in terms of being imprisoned and all that or detained and, and things like this are um, are necessary. However, if not, then again, it's a government coup. You know what I mean? They'll use anything to justify uh, taking out their opponents, whether that's taking out as in literally murdering them or just putting them in jail and then you know taking it day by day literally seeing what their opponents would do if they would just give up mentally while they're in jail or if they try to fight it because if they try to fight it then you usually see what happens with something like uh, Putin and Navalny for example right the next thing is that Twitter is using section 230 as a defense in its child porn case I believe in California now they um, they didn't remove some child porn on Twitter and they're being sued for that but in court they're arguing the reason they didn't remove it even after being warned about it is because it does it didn't uh, violate their their policies and things like that who cares if it didn't violate the policies don't you like this is the problem i have with twitter is this they have an entire team uh, led by her name is vija gad if you watch the um the joe rogan episode with jack dorsey the ceo of twitter and tim pool um she was on there as well but my problem here is this they're going around censoring tweets of things that are that the algorithm itself takes out of context and they know that, but they still have it removed and they're not removing child porn. Like, I don't, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, obviously we can jump into the, you know, the potential, uh, I guess we could say proposals and, and possibilities behind it. But I mean, it, it should be a straight up case and they're using section 230, right? Which has to do with the tech companies and all that. And or just, you know, overall internet software and things like this. They're using that as a cop out. It's child porn, just say you made a mistake and then freaking settle the case because from uh, even from an optics point of view as a company it looks terrible but again i i don't care they can do what they want i'm just giving my opinion at the end there as to what um what would probably be the case i don't know the specifics of the case but again i don't see how anything good can come out of this so the uh, the next thing is that Beijing has been hit with the worst sandstorm in over a decade, and I saw some of the pictures this morning as I was checking out uh, the latest news and stuff. And man, it looks it looks pretty pretty shitty. There's some people that are saying that it's the result of some type of experiment and all that. So we'll be um, potentially looking at that in the main afternoon episodes, but we'll we'll see what happens from there. And uh, I hope the Chinese people in in Beijing are okay. Uh, the next thing is that Iran has detained and charged a French tourist with spying, um, according to the uh, the French tourist lawyer. He allegedly flew a helicam near the, um, you know, like those miniature like drones or whatever, flew them near the Iran-Turkmenistan border. And so Iran got pissed and said, no, 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 you're, you're, you're coming with us, so to speak, you know what I mean? And apparently he's been in prison for about 10 months now, and um, he's... Uh, he, his his 
bail, rather, if you want to call it, has been denied. So, look, it, it'll be interesting. And the reason why I say that is because Iran has a very interesting way of just, you know, capturing not just Americans, but just people from Europe, from Africa, you name it, that are in their country, whether it's for a political strategy or to just appear tough, which I don't know how they would. And I say that with air quotes. I don't know how they would appear tough, but whatever. Um, th this is one of the problems I have, not with the Iranian people, but with the regime. Right. And um, and the issue I have there is that ultimately they're just their their best advantage except for dropping a nuclear bomb, which would be, don't get me started on how many levels of a disaster uh, for them, not for the rest of the world. But what I'm saying is that their only advantage really is that they just capture people. Like this is like, this is nothing new. This has been going on since, you know, the seventies and the eighties and all that, especially when the Shah of Iran, I believe in the seventies um, fled to the U S for, for safe haven as he was sick and dying and all that. But anyways, I think he was the final Shah of, of Iran as well. But th the point though, is that, they have no leverage most of the time. So what do they do? They just capture people that have come in. Like, not even, you know, they capture uh, diplomats or politicians or whatever. Not that I would wish that on anybody, but I'm just saying that they just say, okay, you're French, you're American, you're whatever. Uh, yeah, we got a little problem with France right now. We got a problem with, you know, of course we have a problem with America. Okay, both of you come here. You know what I mean? And then they just arrest them. So, I mean, I guess, and then of course, you know, France will respond and say, let them go and things like this. And then it creates a whole problem. And then... <clears throat> The U.S. gets involved. So, look, at, at the end of the day, I know it creates a part of my English, a bit of a clusterfuck. But I think that's what they're trying to do, Iran in general. Uh, the next thing is that the Middle East has seen its biggest import of arms in the last five years alone. Um, well, look, and and it's, all, it's mainly come from the U.S., from my understanding. Because uh, the U.S. also, by the way, remains the top arms exporter in the world as its market share only grows more and more. So look, here's the thing. For the people, regardless of your political perspectives, for the people that are saying, oh my gosh, look, America appears so weak. I can tell you right now, I can guarantee you the military aspect of it isn't. I would even dare to say the cyber aspect, but that's harder to, to, to be able to tell unless you're really on the inside of what's going on, right? Which is why there's intelligence agencies, because we really don't know what we ourselves are doing in other countries too, right? But ultimately, when I look at this, I say, okay, if the U.S. is selling all these weapons to the Middle East. What the hell do they have up their sleeve? Which I'm sure they do. You know what I mean? If they're confident to sell these kinds of weapons, whether it was under Biden, Trump, Obama, Bush, Clinton, I don't care. It does To me, that doesn't matter. I think overall, maybe a Democrat or Republican, whichever president's currently in office, may have some ability to influence the amount of arms that are sold. But let's put it this way, not to get conspiratorial, but if... Um, I'm trying to watch my words here. If those within, I guess we could say the deep state, if you want to call it the ones, the neocons, you know, the, the, the real elites, the ones that have been there for 20, 30, 40, maybe 50 years, you know what I mean? They're the ones that really pull the strings when it comes to those types of things, because that directly involves the military industrial complex. That's not even a conspiracy. That, that's just legit fact. It's just, you know, the mainstream media of the West tries to push away from that most of the time, right? The next thing is that um, the European Union, I never thought I would read this, I'm not going to lie to you guys, is considering Russia's Sputnik V vaccine uh, for COVID, which surprises me like crazy. You know what I mean? And I say that because look at all the tension between Russia and the rest of the world right now, if I were to be totally honest with you, right? On top of that, I'm sure the vaccine works, assuming COVID is real. And if it works and they want it, then good, that's business. 
You know what I mean? But this is what I mean about what I said, um, I think, yesterday or the day before on the, I think it was the live stream where I said I have a, a kind of love-hate relationship with Putin. No, I said it on yesterday's episode, uh, news episode. Um, so, see, that's the thing. When things work, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, Putin, give it to us. But then when there's an issue, oh, look, he's bad. Now, I'm not saying Putin's good. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not trying to defend him. I'm just trying to take a neutral stance, right? What go With regards to Navalny, you might say, Dave, how could you say that? Look what he's done to Navalny. Well, look, I'm not trying to sound like someone who's dodging the question here, but what he does in his country is his own business, especially since I don't see... I don't foresee any countries getting involved physically in terms of like a ground war infiltration. And I'd like to make something clear. I'm not saying that, you know, his country, his business, he could do whatever he wants. I'm not saying that as the end goal. I'm just saying that that's the case right now. I mean, we can't deny reality, right? Because the mainstream media, they try to twist it a little bit like, well, you know, this and that. And depends on which outlet you listen to. They may push it more, sensationalize it more, or they may actually lower it a little bit. You know, it's kind of like, well, this and that. No, it's simple. He does what he wants. Uh, I'm sure America has spies in there and, and many other countries do as well. Just as he has spies, every, Putin has uh, spies everywhere else. It's a chess game. It's it's a chess game. It is what it is, right? And again, I don't mean uh, what he does in his country's his business, as in like that's the final goal I would want it to be at in terms of global politics. That's not the end game, but that's the current game. You know what I mean? So it's it's reality. Um, the next thing is that uh, Volkswagen may lay off up to four thousand workers in Germany, which is um, which is unfortunate, uh, by the way. So it's it's sad to see that. I mean, look, major corporations are laying off tons of, of their employees, and at the same time, they're they're again. I don't want to speak on behalf of Volkswagen's uh, German location and headquarters and all that, but I know in the U.S. they're laying people off, but at the same time, they're still making money. These big corporations from the government or what have you, right? No, I get it. Business is slow because of this whole pandemic and all that and what's been going on. But ultimately, when I look at all of this, I can't help but think these corporations can afford it. The people are the ones that are going to get hurt. Now, there are some cases where I'm sure they cannot, but even then, it's still debatable. We have to define, is this a large-sized corporation, more of a middle-sized, medium-sized corporation, right? Because once you get to the lower levels of, of corporatism, it starts to go into like what's technically considered small business but even then they're still like they still get all the benefits of what the big corporations get and i'm talking about not like the walmarts and stuff those companies too but those are at the top of the top i'm talking more about like um you know the the i can't think of one off the top of my head right now but regardless of any industry just the businesses that are currently on the rise you know what i mean and look i could be very wrong but i do believe they can't afford to keep their employees but they're saying what's the point if there's, you know, companies are not getting contracts like they were before, uh, pre-pandemic, right? Companies are not as busy, not taking as many orders for things, regardless of what industry. So obviously, from a capitalistic perspective, I understand it because they're saying, what do we need the employees for? Right? You know what I mean? We'll lay them off now. We'll bring them back when things get busier. I get that. I understand that. But at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, we have to look at the people too. What are these people going to do? Right. I know what it's like to have been laid off for many different things. And I can understand that I have I've had friends. I, I have friends, actually, um, who don't live in the country anymore. But, you know, one time they lived uh, they lived here. They had a kid and all that. And, uh, you know, wife and things like that at a young age, which I have no problem with. And um, 
they come back one time and I was at a, a, a my friend's place and he, he goes, hey, he goes, do you want to meet me for lunch? I said, yeah, no problem. I met him for lunch. He goes, I got laid off and he just had a kid. So when you see those things, it hits you. You know what I mean? So, but at the same time, I understand the capitalistic perspective from the business owner. If they want to, if they're saying we, we, we can't use the workers for anything, I totally get that. What are you going to pay them for to stand around? You know, I, I, I really do. I see both sides in that and it's tough. It's... It's circumstance by circumstance type of situation. It's not a one size fits all black and white uh, type of thing. You know what I mean? Uh, the next thing is that thousands of Australians are protesting uh, against sexual assault overall. I mean, look, whether or not it has to do with, you know, QAnon or conspiracy or what have you, it's not even about that. Clearly, there is a child sex trafficking ring of some kind. I'm not going to sit here and say it's the Democrats or the Republicans. I'm just going to say that I think there are multiple sex trafficking rings, hundreds if not thousands of them, that are extremely sophisticated, that only get trafficked to the rich of the rich, the elite of the elite. And Epstein is only one small little cog in a giant machine. If we, if you know, most people think of Epstein nowadays when they think of that, so that's why I brought it up. But ultimately, when we see that, it, it, it's good to see, but here's the thing about the protesting. And for those that have protested that are watching or listening to this, I totally support protesting because, you know, it shows the message you're trying to convey. But realistically, I'm not trying to put any of you guys or girls down, but realistically, it doesn't exactly solve the problem. Now, if enough people protest, it gets news coverage. And then after that, the government then has to do, I guess, damage control or they declare martial law. Depends on the country. But the point is, is that sadly, my point here that I'm trying to say, sorry for going on. Sadly, protests do not uh, produce the desired result that people would w normally want them to. You know what I mean? They don't produce the result that of what people are demanding. That's not to say the government's got to bow down to protesters, but compromise. Because look at the, 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 the two or three stages that I kind of made a little list of in my head before recording this of how protesting works, right? <clears throat> Excuse me, you have the small groups that protest. And then if it's big, and then usually it goes away. But if it gets big enough, it gets into something where there's the, the media, the mainstream media of any country cannot in ignore it, right? Or the global news media, of course, cannot ignore it. And then the third step is the government has to get involved and step in. Right. But when the government steps in, the question then becomes, are they just sending in, you know, police to kind of split everyone up? Are they sending in the their version of the National Guard of their country to split things up? Or are they really going to say, OK, we're going to calm down the protest, peaceful or not. We're going to calm it down. But at the same time, we're now going to we are going to listen to what you say that. I mean, I don't know how often that happens. I I don't think very often, depending on the country as well, too. So. The next thing is that uh, Biden declined to comment on whether or not Cuomo should resign. As usual, he's just playing it right down the middle. Let's, he said, let's see how the investigation plays out, and he supports the results of the investigation. That is the most down-the-middle political answer you could probably give in this scenario. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm president, all I got to do when I walk out to the White House lawn before I hop on, on the helicopter or Air Force One... When I talk to the media, all I got to do is just say, look, I support this, I support that, da-da-da, that's it. You know what I mean? So, I, I don't know how, I, I don't know if people really care what Biden thinks or whatever, but Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, or all of them, all the top Democrats are now calling for Cuomo to resign, and Cuomo's still saying no, but that's always what happens before a politician resigns. They deny, they refuse, 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 and then at the very end, they step down. And I, uh, allegedly Cuomo had, you know, I think I mentioned this before, 2024 ambitions to run for president. Oof, that's not happening anytime soon. Anytime soon. Um, 
the final thing is that the um, oh actually no that's it actually yep that's about it so um, again like I said nothing super crazy today again the, the the news media cycle has really slowed down in a lot of ways uh, to be totally truthful with all of you and um, yeah the, the the thing I gotta say about I, that I love doing the morning episodes is that I'm not like I don't have to I'm not being paid by anyone to do this in the sense that like I'm not taking money from a corporation or something so I don't have to sensationalize the news you know if it, if there's not really a big news day compared to things we're used to I'll say it you know what I mean? And that's what I like. And I like that you guys get back to me and say, Dave, I appreciate that. And I really thank you that you see that as well. So um, enough about that. And we'll catch you guys later on today. Cheers.